Broadcasting live on a Studio E in Los Angeles, California. You are tuned into America's Positive Radio Talk Show, David Essel Live, and we are welcoming you aboard on this beautiful, beautiful evening. Uh, early evening, late evening, wherever you might be across these great United States, 1-800-548-TALK, 1-800-548-TALK. Text us during the show, as so many of you have. By the way, the, the, we're really touching massive nerves every Saturday when we do this show. It happens all the time. We're getting more and more texts in of people just showing their appreciation. Uh, seven texts in the last seven minutes have come in just saying, thank you so much for the guests that you're having on, for what you're doing. And this is going to continue. Lee Daniel Kravitz is going to be with us in a couple minutes, co-author of uh, the book Super Survivors. So we're going to continue to rock gang 24 years. Whenever someone asked me, you know, how did this all begin? And I go, 24 years ago, I did talk radio for free. Uh, I think for about eight months or something like that. I, I, I can't remember the exact amount of time, but that's how it began 24 years ago. Just... I walked out of a radio studio. I was in Venice, Florida, not Venice, California, Venice, Florida. A friend of mine asked me to go in and to do a voiceover of a commercial for a product that he was just putting out. And on the way out, the sales manager said, uh, excuse me, did you just cut that that spot in one take? <laughs> I started laughing. And I said, yes. And she said, you must have experience in radio. And I said, no, absolutely, I don't. I have a lot of experience in television motivational speaker, inspirational speaker. And she said, well, I need 15 minutes of your time. Do you have it? And I said, sure. We sat down. She goes, I want to offer you a show. (laughs) That's how it started. Me doing a a friend of mine a favor by going in and voicing his commercial. And the next thing you know, I have my own radio show. Now, there was a catch. And I had to do it for free. But it was well worth it. Wouldn't you say? 24 years later, we're sitting in the studio going, bingo. Yes. And a lot of times, gang, that's how beautiful things happen in life, right? Is because you do something for someone else. You do someone a favor. You do it for free, whatever it might be. And then all of a sudden, who would have thought 24 years later that we're still doing it? We so appreciate you hanging out with us, following us uh, for all of this period of time. Toll free 1-800-548-TALK. Text 941-266-7676. Proud to be part of the... uh, Premier, Clear Channel, iHeartRadio Network. Really am happy to be here. My guests, we're, we're bringing him back now. Lee Daniel Kravitz, we've had him on before. We needed to get him back because I just loved the book. He's the co-author of the book, Super Survivors, The Surprising Link Between Suffering and Success. Lee, welcome back. Man, it is great being here. Thank you so much for having me back on. Yes, you're welcome. Now, I heard you were sick, but you got well enough for the show. Well, I, I mustered all my strength, and that's really what resilience <laughs> is all about, right? And uh, so you can you can hear uh, hear it in my voice a little bit, but uh, I, I tend to think that it makes you know when you lose your voice and it comes back, you sound a little bit sexier on the radio. So I'm kind of oh. going that vibe right now. And Hell yes, we'll see what happens. yes. <laughs> that's right. So so, so you went. Wait a minute. So you, you went through extreme trauma, but to prove that the book is real, that you wanted to show that you're a super survivor, too, that you came on. I did. I did. And I will do it again. It's uh, <laughs> That's really what it's all about. And I loved your story, by the way, in the, in the intro about, you know, how you, you came about, you know, uh, developing the show. And, you know, we see this time and time again with in life with people who have experienced trauma and are looking for new things and new pathways in life um, after the, uh, these experiences. 
And those are actually the sorts of stories we, we hear all the time when we wrote Super Survivors. And, you know, what David, my, my co-author and I, David Feldman and I would talk about, it's actually the psychological phenomenon for it's called planned happenstance, where you go out into the world, you are open, and you meet as many people as you can, and that's and you try new things, and you try new things differently, and try different things in different ways, and all of a sudden, these sorts of opportunities start to pop up. It's It's... A really wonderful story. So congratulations on 24 yeah. years. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, oh, my Lord. And it's one of those things where you say if you didn't do it for free, if you didn't do it for a friend, if you did none of the rest of it would have happened. And now, right. something in, in your research that, that shocked me the first time, and, I'm, and it shocked me so much, I'm going to say it again because I had no idea yeah. the numbers, but, but what you and your co-author found is 200 million people in the United States will experience some really deep trauma in their life. That is correct. It's a startling number, and it's not one of those numbers that you like to hear, and certainly we don't talk about that number to scare people. It's just kind mm-hmm. of a, a fact of life that roughly between 60 and 80% of, of, of every population, of all people, you know, here in the United States, there's about 200 million people, will experience um, a trauma with a big T, a big T trauma, at least once in their lives. Now, you know, that, and this is diagnosable by, you know, through the DSM, which is, you know, the psychology, um, you know, handbook. Um, right. You know, trauma that, you know, where you think that you're, you might not live. Um, something that brings you to the brink and you realize, oh, my gosh, I, I, um, I almost died. And, you know, we see this thing through car wrecks, through illness, through natural disasters, and things like that. And, again, we, we don't talk about this in the book and in the statistics, and I'll throw it out, Lightly, it's not one of those things we, we try out to scare people, but it is a part of life. It's something that each of us will experience in our lifetime. And our question going into the subject matter was, okay, well, how do people bounce back if, if life is so scary sometimes? And that we are, statistically speaking, you know, going to experience something like this in our lives somehow, some way. Um, why don't, why do we just, I mean, most people would just stay at home and, and never leave their yeah. bedroom if that, that were really the case. No, there's something within us that allows us to stand up, build ourselves back up again, and in some cases, in many cases, change our lives and, 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 and even revolutionize the world based on the decisions we make after these experiences happen to us. Now, is there, are, are there statistics that would say of the 200 million people that face this intense trauma that 5% become super survivors? And, and I want you to define super survivor mm-hmm. in a minute, but is there a percentage that we know of, um, Lee, that, that, that we know that uh, that percentage are going to really go on and exceed expectations? Well, you know, it's really, it's a, it's a fascinating thing. So, um, you know, the, the, the phenomenon of super survival, the idea that we don't just bounce back, but we bounce forward after trauma, revolutionizing our lives and sometimes even changing the world, um, there are no uh, ground, you know, uh, grounded statistics in that per se. But I will say this. Um, of those people who experience trauma, between 15 and 80% of them, there's a very similar number. About 80% of all trauma survivors um, experience post-traumatic growth. Now, we've all heard of post-traumatic stress disorder. Yes. We've all heard yes. of, you know, d- depression, anxiety, all the negative things that are attributed to trauma. Those are very real, and they do happen. But at the same time, I mean, those happen for roughly about 20 to 30% of all trauma survivors, but 80% of all trauma survivors um, 
will also experience post-traumatic growth. And post-traumatic growth is the idea that after we've experienced something really scary, we start to appreciate life in a new way. You know, the, the grass is greener, the sky is bluer, we seek out new opportunities, the people in our lives become much more precious to us. Um, and that is a very real phenomenon that's been studied for about three decades now. Um, that's coming out of the positive psychology camp. Um, and it's exciting and it's real. And we see this happen time and time again. Now, with most trauma, um, you know, if you have anxiety, depression, even PTSD, over time, you'll go back to baseline, meaning you'll go back to who you were prior to the trauma. So if you have anxiety and depression or PTSD even, even with some treatment or even without treatment, most people go back to who they were, where they were before the trauma. The same is true with post-traumatic growth. We appreciate life in a whole new way for a short amount of time, <laughs> and then right. eventually we go back to baseline. So if we were kind of curmudgeon before, we're going to be curmudgeon again. If we were hmm. kind of happy-go-lucky before, we'll go back to being happy-go-lucky again. Now, super survival is one of these things where there's not a lot of, study, a lot of statistics on this, but we really study people who revolutionize their lives, who go on to do remarkable things, and it's consistent. It becomes something that stays with them for a long time. And while that number isn't, you know, necessarily, you know, um, there's no hard, hard and fast numbers on that, what we do see is that people are able to channel quite a few of these uh, principles that we identified in the book um, to actually... Um, appreciate life and do remarkable things even without having experienced a trauma in their lives. So it, it's a learnable skill. And that's and when we come back from this break, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be talking with Lee Daniel Kravitz, co-author of Super Survivors, about what are the principles that these super survivors are following that they found in the book. What are those things that we can go ahead and do as well without maybe having to have a trauma to be able to rise above and to create an experience much bigger and better than maybe the life we're living right now, which is why I wanted to get Lee back on the show. Again, the name of the book, Super Survivors, The Surprising Link Between Suffering and Success. The website, supersurvivors.com, will carry on with Lee in just a minute. Now, if you have friends and family members that could not listen to the show live, let them know that at 9 o'clock Eastern Time tonight, the show will be archived at our website, talkdavid.com, so you can go ahead and re- make sure that everyone gets a chance to hear his information with his co-author, David, so you can change your life starting now. No victimhood, no more excuses. Get it going. That's what this show is all about. I'm David Essel. Stay right there. Are you ready for deep love? David Essel here, national radio host and author with our newest book, Angel on a Surfboard, Lessons About Deep Love from a Divine Messenger. Set in Hawaii, columnist Sandy Tavish arrives for vacation, having no idea that the exotic women and retired surfer he is about to meet hold the answers to deep love. Angel on a Surfboard is endorsed by Oprah's Ambassador of Hope, Marilla Scott. Get Angel on a Surfboard today at talkdavid.com.
You're tuned in to David Essel Live, America's positive radio show. Like us on Facebook and listen to hundreds of inspirational archive shows at talkdavid.com. Now here's your host, Mr. Motivation, David Essel. Every Saturday, 6 to 9 Eastern, 3 to 6 Pacific. Welcome aboard, gang. My guest, Lee Daniel Kravitz, co-author of the book, Super Survivors, The Surprising Link Between Suffering and Success. Lee, do the do the people that end up being the super survivors, is it a, a linear uh, a move for them to go from deep trauma to become that super survivor, or do they go through victimhood and depression and anxiety and the grieving period as well, or or is there something different about them? Great question, and it's one of the most surprising things uh, about the link between suffering and success. To be honest, is that it's they're not mutually exclusive. Meaning, many people who become super survivors who wind up doing great things, remarkable things with their lives as a result of surviving something catastrophic, um, are still, in many ways, suffering the negative sides of that trauma as well. So, wow. um, you know, yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. There was, um, you know, one of the great examples that we have in the book is, and we interviewed a woman named Clementine Womeria, and she is just an amazing, amazing woman. You meet her, and you would have no idea, no idea, that she was a Rwandan genocide survivor who had witnessed the um, annihilation of her most of her family when she was 12 years old and went from refugee camp to refugee camp for seven years, which, you know, these places were absolutely terrifying, um, yes. and, you know, full of, you know, violence and, and, and famine and illness. And um, she wound up coming to America, um, going through high school here. And today, you know, she was tapped by um, President Obama to be on the United States Memorial Holocaust Museum with Ellie Wiesel. The, the council there. She uh, speaks with um, on behalf of the UN quite often. She works with Oprah Winfrey. At the, uh, you know, does a lot of remarkable things. And you sit there across from this beautiful young woman, a very accomplished person, and you say, you know, Clementine, how did you do this? How did you go from the most abject horror to this this place in life? And she said, among other things, she said, there's. Um, you know, uh, there were all these different things I did. I learned how to forgive a certain way. I learned how to, um, you know, have a something that we call grounded hope, which I can go into in a little bit. But really, what she also said was she's also still suffering. She mm. still has flashbacks. She still has trouble sleeping at night. Um, she's hypervigilant. I mean, these are all the classic telltale signs of post-traumatic stress disorder. And this is, you know, 20 years have passed between the genocide, wow. and, and wow. today, she's still suffering. So is there a linear link? I think it's a spectrum, and I think it's a continuous spectrum. I think that something happens, and then we are naturally resilient people. And But I don't want people to feel as though if they do feel depressed, do, do feel anxiety, if they do or anxious, or they do feel that, that deep sense of uh, PTSD, that they've somehow failed, because that is absolutely the, not the mm. case at all. Lee, this is this is stunning because you know what 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 you, you wouldn't you wouldn't pull those two concepts together that a super survivor could still be suffering. You know, like you'd think that they had released right. Th- that's right, and you know the yeah. truth is, I don't. I mean, I don't know if you've met any people who have completely you know disengaged from their suffering. I think you know this. One of the things that's really important for for anybody who's going through this is to know that you can't leap over over the suffering. Suffering yes. is part of the process. It's actually right. an ingredient 
to experiencing a trauma. You have to, unfortunately, go through that, that grieving process. Um, you can, if, if I could wave a magic wand and have it so, okay, something bad's happened, and boom, now you're, you know, leading a nonprofit in, um, you know, in, in a third-world country, changing, you know, a million people's lives every day, you know, I just don't think that's very realistic. Unfortunately, we do have to go through um, the grieving process. Lee, you know who we have on the show quite regularly is a, a woman named Scarlett Lewis. And Scarlett lost her son, five-year-old Jesse, to the um, the school massacre in Connecticut. And, oh, yes, um, yes. Y- yeah, you know, and, and I remember, you know, the very first time we had her on the show um, was probably about eight or nine months after... Sandy Hook. I was trying to remember it. Sandy Hook Elementary oh, School. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, and I've right. even written about Sandy Hook, too. Yeah. Okay. And so, so the first time, you know, we had her on, in, and she was talking about, you know, the trauma of losing her son and then all these magical things that were happening, and we were talking about her anger and grief and forgiveness and hope and all these things. And then we had her on four months later, five months later. Right now, it's the two-year anniversary, and we had her on just about a month ago. And it's and it's going hand in hand with what you're saying, which is so cool. And I want to compliment you guys because now there's a oh, book, yeah, that people that go through trauma can lean on. And what she said was, I asked her, I said, you know, do you still have any anger or rage? And because she talks so much about forgiveness, and she said, David, you know, you want to know something? The second year is worse than the first. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's out there radically changing lives, Lee. You know, she's going to prisons and talking to people and going to schools. And, you know, I mean, she's really making a huge difference in this world. But she admitted that the second year was more difficult than the first year. Isn't that remarkable? And you know what? I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. The pain uh, of, of losing a child, um, especially in a, in a situation like that, which was absolutely the most terrifying thing. I mean, I have young kids at home, very young kids. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, to imagine that happening is not something that I would ever truly expect somebody to 100% get over. Um, it, that, to me, you know, doesn't sound very realistic, I think. But what she is doing, you know, she's channeling this, this, this experience. And despite, and, you know, uh, at the same time that she's feeling these, these, these true emotions, these true uh, moments of true grief, um, she's also channeling that going out and talking about forgiveness, she's talking about, uh, yes. which, by the way, it's a principle in the book, which is, I think, one of the hardest things to actually do. Um, I'd, I'd be willing to bet that, um, you know, her definition of forgiveness, uh, and by the way, there are many definitions of forgiveness, but I, tr- mm-hmm. I, I think that her definition of forgiveness is probably one that many survivors experience. I mean, let me ask you, how in the world do you stand up in the morning and forgive the unforgivable? Right, and then, you know what happened to her child is truly, truly unforgivable. Many of these traumas that you know we see day in and day out are are unforgivable. They're either people taking you know, taking advantage or hurting other people, our bodies turning against ourselves. You know when we're sick, um, yes. you know drunk drivers hitting us. I mean, how do we forgive the unforgivable? Um, going back to the example of Clementine yeah. and Mary, Lee, I mean, let, I let me ask you ask- a question. Lee, hold on just a second. Um, We've got to go to a quick break. Can you hang in there and come back for a couple more questions? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, okay, perfect. Okay. I, I, I so appreciate that. We're going to go to this quick break. We're coming back. Lee Daniel Kravitz, co-author of the book Super Survivors. And don't forget this interview for your friends and family that have missed it. And we've gotten text in during the interview of saying, I wish so-and-so was listening. They can listen at 9 o'clock Eastern Time, talkdavid.com. Stay right there. You're tuned in to David Essel Alive, America's positive radio show. Like us on Facebook and listen to hundreds of inspirational archive shows at talkdavid.com. Now here's your host, Mr. Motivation, David Essel. Ah, listening to Bruno Mars in the background. That man can rock it. Holy cow. I, I, I remember last Super Bowl, right? Was it last Super Bowl that he just like tore it up? Love the man. Great, great, great artist. 1-800-548-TALK. You're tuned into America's Positive Radio Talk Show. David Essel Alive. Uh, 800-548-TALK. Text us during the show, 941-266-7676. My guest, Lee Daniel Kravitz, co-author of the book Super Survivors. Love the information Lee has shared last time. We had him on and today, the surprising link between suffering and success. So, Lee, uh, I, I want to wrap up one final thought that I have from before and then turn it over to you. Uh, but but one of the things that's fascinating is this whole concept that the super survivors still go through their own trauma, their own grief, their own suffering. And that can actually be hopeful for people that have gone through trauma, Lee, can it? And, and they're sitting there going, shouldn't I be over this by now? That's right. I mean, absolutely. Um, I mean, in the book, um, you know, I mean, for the book, we interviewed about 150 people. And for the book itself, there are 17 stories in there that actually talk about, you know, the different super survival stories and how they've bounced back and bounced forward, changing their lives. Um, but every single one, hands down, has said they still suffer. They've gotten over some elements of it. The pain isn't so sharp or fresh. I mean, for some of these people, it's been 20, 30 years since their, in some cases, 50 years since their initial trauma. But they think about it, and it brings, them pain, brings up painful memories for them. But in some ways, that, those painful memories and the, and the emotions that come with it motivate people to move forward and do remarkable things with the experience that they've had. You know, to be clear, there's no silver lining to trauma. There's no silver lining to, you know, no, nothing good about suffering. So, you know, if I, again, if I could take that magic wand I talked about earlier and make, you know, wave it and make suffering disappear, I would. But because suffering is so common, you know, we said earlier, 80% of us will experience at least one big trauma. It's nice to know, it's comforting to know that these experiences can act as fuel for us and motivate us to do really remarkable things. Yeah. Hey, be, you know, because of Ferguson, Missouri, and because of New York City, um, yeah. there's a story I want you to talk about uh, regarding racial division that happened 60 years after uh, 60 years after the fact. Go ahead and, and talk about that story. Absolutely. Oh, well, thank you for bringing that up. That is a. Yeah. This is a story that's very close to home uh, in the sense that you know I grew up in the South and the Midwest. Um, you know, and I remember hearing these sorts of stories, but. 
you know, this is a survivor in the book who's actually no longer alive. Um, so we pieced it together based on archival um, information. But long story short, um, in the 1920s, there was a, a little boy named, or a young man named Jim Cameron. This isn't the film director. This is a young African-American boy who was hanging out with some friends in the, in the, uh, uh, the late 20s. And um, his friends were involved in an armed robbery. And Jim, or Jimmy as they called him, said, you know, I want no part in this. And he ran away. And, of course, as he's running, um, he hears two gunshots go off. And the, um, his friends had uh, shot and killed um, someone they were robbing. And he was rounded up with his friend, put into a jail cell, and they were awaiting trial when a huge white mob, um, some say led by the KKK, others just uh, say led by community members, um, uh, came up to him and uh, pulled one by one the boys out of his prison cell and hung them. And it was, it was a genuine lynching, and two of the boys were killed. And James, uh, or Jimmy, was uh, hoisted up, and at the last second, at the last second, he heard somebody say, let that boy live. And he survived. They let him go. He wound up serving his time for the armed robbery, about four years in jail, or in prison. And when he got out, he said to himself, you know what? I thought, I, I don't know who said that that day, that that boy should live. But to me, that was the voice of God. That was the voice of God saying that boy should live. And I want to take this experience and do something meaningful with it. And he wound up starting the, uh, uh, a couple of um, NAACP chapters, becoming a major civil, civil rights um, leader. Um, he worked in um, you know, uh, urban housing and things of this nature, walked with uh, uh, Martin Luther King. And um, in his 80s, in his 80s, he became um, a Ph.D., um, and his crime of, uh, uh, you know, where he was accused of, you know, shooting and murdering somebody was um, uh, erased from the record. And he wow. uh, died at the age of 95, a uh, very, very different place than he was when he was a young man. It was a beautiful yeah. story. And what's yeah. really fascinating about the Ferguson comparison right now, the New York City comparison, is that these issues are still, still um, so relevant and prevalent today. And uh, we know that there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of agony um, out there because of what has happened. I was in Berkeley, California today and uh, having a lunch and I saw a massive rally go by. And these are people who have been personally touched by these stories who are going by and fighting for the rights of, uh, you know, the civil rights um, uh, right. people. And it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. You know, um, I'm I'm glad we're talking about this too because it's so as you mentioned it's extremely relevant today as it was back in the 20s. Chris Rock had a very interesting comment during an interview. He said, "You know, um, there's a lot more nicer white people now than there were a hundred years ago." When when he was asked about this, you know, the whole thing, he said, "We still have a major issue, but the one thing on our side is that there's a lot more nicer white people." And you know, I guess <laughs> yeah. when we look at pr progress, we can say that's progress, right? Um, but there still is well, a hell of yeah. a long way to go. Well, you know, it's fascinating. You know, with with uh, uh, Dr. James Cameron, you know, when he died, it was Dr. James Cameron. What's fascinating right. is that yes, there were, you know. Uh, there was a museum, the Black Holocaust Museum, was one that he founded. I believe it's in uh, Wisconsin, and Madison, Wisconsin. And he um, 
had uh, people, who, uh, white people, people who were actually in the crowd that, were, um, uh, that mm. lynched him come up to mm. him and apologize later in life. And said, I'm wow. sorry, I was there. Um, I was a little kid, and I remember it, and I remember you. And I think that that was one of J- uh, James Cameron's um, messages, that, you know, that the world has changed. It's changed in positive and negative ways, but also the positive. Um, yes. That, there are, you know, that, you know white, uh, every race has kind of opened their, uh, their minds and their hearts to change. I think that's what we're going to start to see more and more of. Yes. Hey, we've got about two minutes left here. Um, final two minutes of hope, of understanding from the book Super Survivor. Can, can you share, give us like two minutes of, of hope as we leave oh, absolutely. here, Lee? Absolutely. You know, we talk a lot about with hope. We talk about positive, being positive, and being positive during our darkest times. And certainly there is nothing wrong with being positive. We want to be positive. Certainly being positive is much nicer than having negative thoughts. But in our darkest times, it's sometimes very, very challenging to be positive, to have those positive thoughts. Um, and I think that there's this, this um, thing that happens, this fear that comes into people's minds when they're facing some of the darkest times in their lives that, well, gosh, if I'm not thinking positively, bad things are going to happen to me. I'm not helping myself by thinking negatively. Um, and we found time and time again that each of our super survivors um, – practice something not positive thinking, but grounded thinking or grounded hope. And the idea is this. The grounded part of grounded hope is you look at things without painting a smiley face over them. You look at them with eyes wide open and you say, yes, I've lost a leg. Yes, I've you know, survived cancer. Yes, I have survived uh, a genocide. Um, and there's no way I can change that. No, matter, no, no amount of positive thinking is going to change that. Right. But the hope part kicks in, and we say, you know what, but given that I can't change that, what can I change? And that's where people really bounce forward. They say, this is what I can't do, but this is also what I can do. And this is where we get people who go blind and become the first people to row across the Atlantic Ocean with no vision. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, right. it's incredible. You know, oh, I, so that, I remember that. That's, that's yes, that story you shared last time on our show, Lee. It was amazing. Yeah, I mean, and these people are incredible. And time and again, David and I would sit down and we'd say, "How the heck did you wake up, you know, Alan Locke, and decide that you were going to become the first blind person to row across the Atlantic Ocean?" Or right. you know, Casey Peretti, how did you decide one day that you were going to become one of the world's most successful stunt persons, t- stunt actors? after getting in a car accident, um, you know, or how did, um, how did you start an organization that benefits veterans um, after, you know, uh, seeing a, a death on the street? I mean, mm. how did you do this? You don't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to become a super survivor. And these people said, well, it wasn't that. It was my sense of grounded hope. Right. I love that. I love that. This is, Lee, it's been, again, a great, a stunningly wonderful interview. I so appreciate your time. Lee Daniel Kravitz, co-author of the book Super Survivors, the website, supersurvivors.com. And I'm glad that you're practicing what you preached and you rose above the trauma of your of your cold and, and you came on the air. <laughs> uh, well, thank you. I would say it wasn't as much of a trauma as I was making it out to be. I was a being a big baby this morning. I was like, this, this is horrible. I can't, you know, but... I'm so glad I'm feeling better. And thank you very, very much for having me on the show again. It's been a blast. You're very welcome, Lee. Have a beautiful weekend. 
You too. Take care. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. And don't forget, gang, if you have friends and family that need this information about how to survive, overcome trauma, overcome victimhood, overcome, overcome, this interview is going to be live at our website, talkdavid.com, in about 25 minutes or so. I'm so glad you're with us. Coming back, we're going to go back to your texts, your emails, and giving you the advice that you absolutely need, want, and desire, and we are the ones that have it. How is that? (laughs) I'm David Essel. Stay there. Are you ready for deep love? David Essel here, national radio host and author with our newest book, Angel on a Surfboard, Lessons About Deep Love from a Divine Messenger. Set in Hawaii, calm the Sandy Tavish arrives for vacation, having no idea that the exotic women and retired surfer he is about to meet hold the answers to deep love. Get your copy of Angel on the Surfboard today at Amazon.com or five free copies at TalkDavid.com. Get Angel on the Surfboard today at TalkDavid.com. My body aching, I'm ready to fall into the sky. I see now the reason why. You're tuned in to David Essel Alive, America's positive radio show. Like us on Facebook and listen to hundreds of inspirational archive shows at talkdavid.com. Now here's your host, Mr. Motivation, David Essel. Now, oh, yes, we welcome your text, 941-266-7676, 941-266-7676, the call, 1-800-548-TALK, 1-800-548-TALK. Uh, this just popped in. Love the interview on Super Survivor, but I have a very important question for you. In a video, you talked about being thankful for challenges. I'm struggling very deeply and having a hard time thinking gratitude for these challenges. Please explain. Okay. I know it's a huge leap. And even on the video, I say this. I'm saying that this is not an easy thing to do, to be thankful for the challenges. Like, thank you, God, very much for this addiction. I don't know why. I'm thanking you. I thank you for this divorce. I don't know why I'm thanking you. Thank you for this physical challenge. I don't know why I'm thanking you. But let me tell you why we encourage people to bounce back and forth between gratitude for the challenges and the fact that you're having a hard time. We're not telling you to put your head in the sand and pretend the addiction isn't there, the health isn't, issue isn't there, the, the challenge in the relationship isn't there. We're not saying that. What we're saying is we're asking people to bounce back and forth, and here's why. If we stay stuck in the challenge, we become the victim. And in the victimhood mentality, nothing can change other than a deeper feeling of victimhood. This isn't fair. This shouldn't happen to me. Why should this happen? Let's go back to Scarlett Lewis. When I was talking to Lee, uh, the co-author of Super Survivors, I brought up uh, Scarlett Lewis. Scarlett Lewis to this day, you know, she lost her little son, Jesse, to the massacre. Adam Lanza, when he went in and killed all those people, she lost him. And so does she have gratitude? Well, she has gratitude for the fact that TJ, her other son, is alive and well. She has gratitude for the fact that she's able to touch so many people's lives with her story of compassion and forgiveness and nurturing, right? So she has great gratitude. I mean, with the tragedy of losing her son, she has the gratitude of being able to go out there and without a vengeance, 
but with compassion and understanding and forgiveness and nurturing that she can touch all these lives. So do you see the balance? Like, like she's going back and saying, I, I, I'm angry at times with losing my son. I miss him. I'm grieving. And at the same time, thank you because of the voice that you've given me to make a difference in this world. And that's what we're talking about. So, you know, when 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 I, I did a lecture the other day on deepening our spiritual path and so many of our spiritual teachers got to the place that they are because of their suffering, because of the extreme divorce or the extreme addiction or the bankruptcy or the foreclosures or the whatever it might be, it turned them, it brought them to their knees, it brought them closer to God. There's a book that we're writing right now, and it's Every Addiction is a Pathway to God. That's the title of the book. Every addiction is a pathway to God. We believe it to be true because those people, for the most part, that have overcome serious, longstanding addictions have turned to a spiritual path of some sort, God, universal energy, light, whatever you want to call it, in order to heal. So I am sitting here today saying thank you, God, for the addictions that I've had because they forced me to get humble, to ask for help. And in that forcing me to get humble and ask for help, I become closer to God, understanding the miracle of recovery. And I can sit here today and tell you it is so true in almost every area of life. If we so look for that arena to practice in. It's hard, yes, but having gratitude, even for 30 seconds a day, for something challenging you're facing can make the biggest difference in the world. They are our teachers, without a doubt. 1-800-548-TALK. Text us, 941-266-7676. David, I want to change direction. If you have a couple minutes, please answer this question. I'm writing a book and have no idea where to start. (laughs) Yeah, we'd love to change direction, sure. That's not a problem. First of all, I'm going to tell you on my we- on uh, on YouTube. If you go to YouTube and search David Essel slash writing a book, just go to YouTube in the search box. Put David Essel slash how to write a book, or just put David Essel slash writing a book. You will see a video that we outline. We give an outline on how to write a book. One of the biggest mistakes I can tell you that people make when they start to write a book is they sit down and they try to write a book. <laughs> and it might seem like, well, isn't that what you're supposed to do? And the answer for most of us, no. Now, sometimes individuals can sit down to write a book without an outline, without any kind of structure, and they can write a book. But it's very, very rare. So when we coach people on how to write a book, we, we first of all get them to put a complete outline in place. So the working title, not even necessary. Swear to God, it's not even necessary. But What's the purpose of the book? What's the concept of the book? Just in a couple paragraphs, just sketch it out, number one. Number two, what's the end result of the book? What do you hope to have happen? I want to entertain people. I want to inform people. I want to educate people. What's the general purpose of the book? Number three, create the outline by chapter. All right, so here's chapter one as an introduction. Chapter two through ten, here's the different main points I want it to be. Now, the next step is really crucial. Within each of those chapters, what are the stories? And I'm talking now more or less like about a personal growth book, right? What are the stories that would go underneath forgiveness? What are the stories that would go underneath health? Now, when I talk about stories, not just your own, 
but stories of other people that you know. There's very few of us that can write a book, especially your first book, and obviously this is your first book, that would write a first book about yourself unless you overcame genocide or unless you overcame a debilitating disease, unless you had a spontaneous healing or a near-death experience or a miraculous experience. Rarely can our first book really be about us. Does that make sense? The first book should be much more general than just about us. Unless you have this like unbelievable experience that is really based on you and your life and what you overcame, then of course the first book could be on you. But for most of us, it isn't that simple. So you want to write out an outline of the different chapters. What stories do I want to include in these chapters that would um, give a good explanation of what I'm trying to say outside of me? And if you need more help in getting more clear, or if you're going to write um, a book that is fiction-based, it'd be a little different then. But still, outlines are crucial to have. Hey, don't forget that you know one of the keys moving ahead in life is surrounding ourselves with positive messages. At our website, talkdavid.com, we have four years plus of positive messages in archived radio shows. We highly recommend that you go there and listen every day to a different interview, a different show, to keep your spirits up, moving forward, creativity, etc. Hey, until next week, be bold, be strong, be positive, never take no for an answer, and always ask for help. I'm David Essel. Have a great week. Are you ready for deep love? David Essel here, national radio host and author with our newest book, Angel on a Surfboard, Lessons About Deep Love from a Divine Messenger. Set in Hawaii, calm the Sandy Tavish arrives for vacation, having no idea that the exotic women and retired surfer he is about to meet hold the answers to deep love. Angel on a Surfboard is endorsed by Oprah's Ambassador of Hope, Marilis Scott. Get Angel on a Surfboard today at talkdavid.com.